Ladies in the Lead, and I'm your host, Joan Garner. Hey, this week we are kicking it off with Miss Mallory Knapp. Mallory is married to Cade Knapp, and they live in Conrad, Iowa. And they have a little girl, McKenna, who's just, I think, seven months old now. So new parents, and it's so exciting to hear her talk about being a mother and really starting that journey. I wanted Mallory to be on the podcast because I have watched her over the last, I would say, five, maybe six years, really just be such a quiet leader and a great mentor and someone who has really taken and started their production game at such a high level. Her and Kate made conscious decisions to invest in flushing over having a larger cow herd and they really are producing animals at such a high level in such an early um, part of, I would call it, their careers. It's really fun to listen to Mallory talk about how intimate the details become when they are thinking about flushing each flush differently and to create one that's even specific to the month where they might want to show that one. I love sharing with Mallory a passion for the industry and her edge of being an inclusive leader and an inclusive mentor. It just is so spot on. She talks about her journey and it being non-traditional, but I think it's a lot of people's journeys when we think about, maybe we don't know what we want to do, maybe we weren't the best and we worked really hard to get there. She just offers just an amazing story. I'm so proud to get to share the story with you guys. I can't wait for you to listen to it. So let's get to it, Miss Mallory Knapp, this week's Ladies in the Lead. Welcome to Ladies in the Lead. I'm your host, Joan Garner, and today we are with Miss Mallory Knapp, how are you? I am great. I'm looking forward to talking with you and this whole discussion today. <laughs> podcasts are new for me. Really? Do you uh, listen? Do you listen? I to do. Podcasts? I love listening to podcasts. Really? What 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 genre do you listen to? So I kind of bounce around. I can listen to anything from a livestock podcast to sometimes even a sports podcast. Um, a lot of like life coaching, and I, I love listening to the Enneagram podcasts. Enneagram. Okay, what's that one about? So it's um, a personality type based on a number scale one to nine. Okay. Um, and so um, it's motive based. So basically, I'm a nine. Okay. Um, and what it is, it um, kind of teaches you about how you are and how you respond to things. Oh, um, okay. Instead of your red, green, blue personality test, it's a little deeper dive. I love it. I follow it. I have several friends that do it too. I'm kind of an I call it an Ennea nerd. Ennea nerd. Ennea nerd. That's that's a hard word to say. It is. But it's really interesting if you do that personality test to, like, dig deeper into your your number. I like that. That's cool. I like personality analysis stuff. You and I are both kind of in retail and sales, and we market with different people and things, and it's always fun to kind of just you know, talk their language or understand why they are certain ways or like that. Is that yes. kind of like, I'm assuming it that is. it's got all I, that in it. I kind of type the people around me so I know 
what type my husband is, though he doesn't know. Um, I know my... Wait, wait, he doesn't know you know? He doesn't, or he doesn't know even know, know what his type is. He knows his type on a different personality test because he had to do one for work. But I know what he is on the Enneagram, and it helps me communicate better with him, though he doesn't probably know Think that. So. <laughs> I love that. We took the one where you are like, you know, are you... How do you receive love and give love? That one. Yes. I, what is that one called? Um, is it the? Oh gosh! And it's like where you are either you're like a gift that like you like to receive gifts or acts of service. Yes. Oh my gosh! Acts my best friend Katie is yes. gonna kill me for not knowing this. But I use that one a lot too. Because love language. Love language. Thank you. Yes. So I use that one too. And then of course over the years we've all taken different personality tests. But that's kind of cool. I like yeah, that. It's so does one person lead that podcast, or yeah. is it like different personality types? There are several different podcasts, um, so you can l- listen to ones that are based on just your type, or you can listen to more general ones where you yeah. kind of learn about other types, or learn about like how type nines um, are in love, or how type nines are in the workplace, things like that. So for me, like I just like to understand who I am at a deeper level, and that's helped me a lot. Yeah, I was... I work with a life coach, and so just to help dive into some of those deeper levels and stuff, and we just actually had a coaching call this morning on the way here, and we were talking just about how you go through life, and sometimes you get stuck, and you your emotions get shut down, or you just really don't have, like, you don't have the energy to do it all, to develop yourself and keep going and stuff, mm-hmm. and so for me, these last five years have been really a time to explore myself and grow with that. That's like cool. Like I wish I would have known when I was like 28, 30, how to dive in sooner. Has it always been an interest of yours? Like to not really. I saw a couple friends, um, talk about their Enneagram type on Instagram and I was like, Oh, I wonder what that's about. And so I took a test and I just started reading. I'm kind of the person that'll sit back and just read about things Mm -hmm. and try to understand them a little bit better, maybe not quick to decisions and that kind of stuff. So for me, it was just really interesting to just keep learning about it and developing that way. And now you have your first baby. Yes. Congratulations. Thank you. How is it being a mom? Oh, it's the best. She is an absolute doll. She's like, you always hear people talk about their kids. And like, (laughs) I love my kids. I love my kids. There is like truly nothing better than being a parent. And there's nothing better than being a parent with your spouse, too. Seeing Cade become a dad has been one of the coolest things. Our daughter is crazy wild. She goes She's 100 what, like miles months? an hour. Nine um, months? No, she is about seven and a half months. Seven and a half months. Oh, she gosh. crawls. She's she's crazy into everything but we love her and her personality is just like ours we're all go 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 um 100 miles an hour and we don't stop so well that's so exciting I saw we are friends on Facebook so I saw pictures of course and Kate and I actually were neighbors as he grew up I mean older than him and so you know he lived about seven miles and so I agree it is really fun to see him be a dad, he's a big old softy is what it he looks like. Is, yeah, she smiles the biggest for him, and if she's mad, he's the one person that can make her laugh. Um, <laughs> he is a big softy, and I think he's just destined to be a girl dad. Now, if I have a boy down the road, I hope he doesn't listen to this, but... <laughs> well, he'll be fine, too. <laughs> yeah. We can go on and on just about side interests and all that sort yes. of stuff. But we're going to talk today a little bit about your stock show experience. And you know the, the podcast is called Ladies in the Lead, She Stock Shows. So just to get us started, tell me a little bit about your stock show experience, like from when you guys were growing up to now kind of where you and Kate are at in your lives. 
Yeah, so it has been a long journey for us. And my journey, like I was telling you yeah. before we hopped on here, is probably not the most conventional. Um, I grew up on just us uh, with a small Angus herd. We had about 10 to 15 cows, depending on the year. Mm-hmm. Um, and my dad and I just kind of raised a few. And, you know, we sold some feeder calves. We showed a few heifers. Um, he bought me one every year. And, you know, we weren't hard at it. We didn't jackpot every weekend. Um, we kind of went Uh, to more of the breed shows Mm -hmm. like the Angus field days that kind of stuff junior nationals state fair and then occasionally we do a fall show so we didn't I wouldn't say we were um 100 percent like twice a day kind of a family that just got after it I was the only kid that was interested I have two brothers so it was just me and my dad really Mm -hmm. And that was how I was raised. But we also did other things. Like my parents had a house on a river and we would go boating on the weekends. You know, I wasn't, I didn't have that 100% like, um, I don't want to say dedication because I loved the industry. But um, I didn't experience it a lot like like my husband did per se. Then I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do after high school. What? You didn't know what you wanted to do? Gosh, no, like all nobody America. knows. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, wow, should I go to cosmetology school? Should I go to a four-year school? Or uh-huh. and then my dad was like, well, maybe you should look into judging. And I didn't come from a very good FFA program mm-hmm. or anything. We went to a couple small contests and stuff like that. But so why did he major. say judging then? Like, was that something you just were naturally talented at? You had interest in? or Not really. I kind of, I mean, I always had interest in the livestock and I think he saw that you know that livestock community was really good to me Mm -hmm. growing up and that's always what I gravitated towards I played a few sports and then kind of quit when I got into high school so I was always just very um mentally and emotionally invested in Mm -hmm. the livestock that we had so um he mentioned that and I'm like yeah I'll go and visit Blackhawk and see if it'd be a good fit I really honestly I kind of sheltered myself you know, when I was growing up, I didn't know a lot of people. I didn't know anybody that went to Blackhawk until I had a friend that was like, hey, you're going to go to Blackhawk? Maybe I'll go too. I was thinking about it. So her and I um, kind of buddied <laughs> up and went out there together. And I was on the judging team there. Obviously, I didn't have a ton of experience. Mm-hmm. And so I just kind of took it as an opportunity to learn and grow. I knew I probably wasn't going to get cards at a national contest. Um, but that stuff didn't bother me. I remember a really good conversation I had with Jared Boyer, who was our coach at Blackhawk, and this was my sophomore year. He had to make a cut on our team because there was like probably 25 of us, mm-hmm. um, and the the van only hold, holds 12 or whatever <laughs> to go to National yes. Barrow Show. And I'm a cattle kid, so I'm like, woof, there's no way I'm making that cut. But obviously I went to all the workouts. I tried really hard and that kind of stuff, and I didn't make the cut, and he called me after that and he goes Mallory I'm sorry I know you've been working hard he's like you're just not placing good enough and I was like hey I get it I was like you've got the right 10 kids with you it's like you guys are going to have an awesome trip best of luck and like I'm ready to work when you guys get back yeah so I kept working and working I sat out the whole fall um so Kansas City and Louisville and then by Denver I was able to travel with him because, yeah, he just, I don't know, he recognized that um, another girl and I that I was good friends with, we were both just, we put our heads down and we just continued to work. And, you know, we weren't the best livestock judges on our team, but um, I think that was like a turning point for me that, you know, you don't have to be the best at everything 
but life gives you so many opportunities mm-hmm. and if you continue to work and try things will pan out for you mm-hmm. so past that I went to Western me and Cade both went there judged there traveled with them um, our whole year of judging and then after that my husband and I started our own cattle business we moved to central Iowa yeah it's so where do you live now so we live in Conrad yeah. um population population good question <laughs> it's like all Iowa towns maybe like eight to twelve hundred I would say eight to twelve hundred maybe really good uh, maybe it's That's less a big than that eight to twelve hundred is a yeah. big it's like a third of the town if someone local is listening to this they're gonna be like wow she knows nothing well um, we don't live in there well you yeah I mean you just added one so you should say 801 to 1201 yes yeah very true yes okay so yeah we moved to Conrad um we did found, you settle there I mean just because you had found the farm or like you found ground or what put you so, in Conrad we originally rented a house in outside of Marshalltown because Cade took a job um, in Conrad at the bank. Oh, cool. And so he got that, and I was working remote for Walton Webcasting at the time. So I just told him, you know, we'll go wherever you get a job. And it happened to be Conrad, which is pretty close to my parents, a half hour mm-hmm. away. Um, so we moved to Marshalltown, lived there for a couple years, and then we finally found a place to buy so while we were living in Marshalltown, um, we drove to Traer to my parents' place to sell calves out of there. We just needed, like, a barn. Yeah. And Which is usually what you need. Yeah. Yes. And then we found this place. It's it's eight acres. Um, we have about 20 cows now. We're trying to raise more. Um, we have a sale in the fall, in October, mm-hmm. a heifer sale, and then we sell some steers, too. So, yeah, our the way I started in the industry and where we're at now is drastically It's so different. cool. I mean, it's such mm-hmm. a cool story because people, I think, have that passion or have that, like, little hidden gem in their heart maybe sometimes. And maybe the opportunity wasn't there. Like you said, the FFA program wasn't there or maybe your 4-H club or your county didn't have the judging, you know, who knew that was really a tick in your, you know, your hat mm-hmm. that you wanted to pursue or whatever. But to go and to hear it from your dad and say, hey, have you ever thought about, and have that resonate and not just deflect it away, not just say, well, dad, I don't really judge or, you know, you know, kind of thing. Like you didn't know, like you said, you didn't know what you wanted to do and to give it a try Mm -hmm. to go to Blackhawk. So for those who are listening, how do you go to Blackhawk, say, I want to be on the judging team and make that happen? Does everybody, is it like all in, we're taking a class, we all get to go? Yeah, so it was interesting for me because I the approach that I took to um, visiting Blackhawk was probably not the way that most judging kids go. <laughs> I went to like a visit day and like so an like ag, for campus or an mm-hmm, ag like visit an day. Ag okay. visit day. Was so that there in the were, fall or the spring. It would have been in the fall, I believe. Okay. And so there were several like um, future ag students that came to this day. It was put on by the ag. Council something, <laughs> something, uh, something Whatever like the that. There's there, some yeah. students like um, Nick Fitzsimmons would have been like my group leader or whatever. Uh-huh. And I've known Nick um, from showing in Iowa and stuff. And so I went to that day and, you know, I got to talking to Nick and I was like, I'm interested in livestock judging. I just don't know anybody or know um, how to go about it, but I would be interested in being part of the team. Well, they put you in a class and then you can kind of decide if you want to travel with the team or not. Mm-hmm. And, you know, those people kind of weed themselves out pretty quick of the class. Like there's a group that, you know, wants to go and travel and do all that. Most of the kids on my team 
were either recruited or came on scholarship. So mm-hmm. I was one of probably the few my freshman year that wasn't on scholarship. You were a walk-on. Yeah, I was a walk-on. Walk-on. Yeah, one go. of those special walk-ons. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I ended up getting a scholarship my sophomore year. But, yeah, I just kind of um, fell into it that way. I didn't go on a visit. I didn't have, like, the official signing, you know, yes. signing day. Um, but I appreciate that um, approach because yeah. I wasn't sure, and I, I needed that um, reassurance to say that that was something that I really wanted to try. Was your major then like ag, animal science, ag business, or do you have a major that includes judging or how does that work? So my major was ag business and I would say most of the judging kids were ag business or animal science. Mm -hmm. And no, there's not really a major. It's almost just, it's truly an extracurricular that you can take a class for. That's awesome. Yeah. I always take class too. Like a lot of the, you know, obviously the bigger schools or whatever, they have you take the class and then do a contest at the end and then you kind of get invited to be on the team if you do well on that I think it's even better that the class is inclusive for everybody and then you can sort your way through it and if you like it and you're good and you can rise up it's even better yes yeah exactly I know I think it speaks volumes too for you to take that feedback you know from coach Boyer and and not go like just run away from it and just really say hey I get it you got the best 10 with you I'm not there yet but I'm willing to work to get there do you think you've always seen that in yourself where you've like seen something over there and you're like because you said you know like I'm kind of standing over here and I look at it and then I'm like I'm gonna go for it has that been something you've seen in yourself over the years you'd say yeah I am the person that I really like to think things through Mm -hmm. before I react or act on it Mm -hmm. um and for me I think I think I learned in high school as I was transitioning through sports and things like that. I was pushed really hard to play softball Mm -hmm. and I got very burnt out. And I remember taking some criticism um, from a coach when I was playing softball and I completely shut down. Like Mm -hmm. I was done. I was over it. I I was just done with it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this... um, circumstance came about and I I think the softball situation gave me some perspective mm-hmm. of just like you know what maybe um we should think about this a little bit more before we react because in all reality he did take the best 10 right to that. and that was yes his he job. took yes like his job is to take the best 10 he did yeah. his job and he did very well at it and I just had so much respect for Jared I I think um for me what really put the icing on the cake of that whole situation is that he would personally call and say, hey, Mallory, I'm sorry. And I told him, I was like, don't apologize to me because you obviously did your job. Right. And that's a life lesson right there. Yes. But what I like about it is he talked to you. Mm -hmm. He didn't just ignore you or push you away or just take the best 10 and like only focus in on that. Because then you develop and you develop the skill sets and then you can rise up. Yes. And then and then when it's time for you to shine, I'm sure you really did. You know, it had your opportunity at Denver and moved on with those opportunities. It's it's a good it's a good life lesson there for people. Yes. Whether you're the teacher or you're the recipient of the news, either mm-hmm. way. Yeah. yeah, and I think Cade was a good um leaning post for me during that time. He he's just always the person that 
when it comes down to it, he'll always put his head down and work harder. Mm -hmm. He's not going to complain about it. He's going to take a more positive approach to it. And so I think being around him more often, I learned that, Mm -hmm. um, you know, people want to be, have him in their circle because of that. Mm -hmm. He just, um, you know, he wants to push you to be better. And I think that is what I needed at that time. Mm -hmm. He's like, you know, obviously there's still opportunity out there to travel with us and stuff. This isn't the end of the road Mm -hmm. for you. And yeah, I, I will say my, um, upbringing has been largely influenced by a lot of the men in my life, Mm -hmm. whether that be Cade, my dad, um, Jared, Mark Hogue at Western. Um, there's just been a lot of like really influential men that have shown me how to be a better woman. Mm-hmm. So we, this leads me to this, uh, this, one of the reasons why I asked you to be on the podcast is because you and I know each other via Facebook and see each other at shows and stuff, but we really don't have, I would say, a personal relationship as far as with the cattle, or but very mutually respect each other just yes. for the fact that we have a passion for the industry. What I have seen, because I know Kate, so I would say hello and see you guys, what I love about you is your ability to, how you've always been able to mentor the people that you're working with and bring them along. And it's always been this confident build-up program, I kind of want to call it. Like, you're working with kids at all levels. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, and I can see it not even talking to you. I can see it happening, right? I can see you in the shoots. I can see you in the stalls coaching and really bringing kids along versus just barking orders at them or you know having I I just love the way you coach and I think that that's part of your style that you have been given you've been given room to grow and room to develop and I love that you've clinged to that and taken that on and show that with your people do you see Mm -hmm. that do you see that in yourself yes I um I take a very um I'll say show mom approach to our business these kids, they want to learn. Even the ones that are really fresh in it, um, you know, we'll have people say, I need to give my kid a list of um, an entire an entire daily care routine. And I swear to you, I sent a three-page text message this week to a customer um, with that routine because they um, want to learn. And I think if they want to learn, um, you know, us as adults should all be better at taking the time to teach them. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm the first person that will say, hey, um, you know, you need to fit a front leg today. Mm -hmm. I'll help you, but you need to do it yourself. And I think that is the push that some of those kids need Mm -hmm. to just, like, get to the next level. Um, We see a lot that kids, you know, they don't always listen to their parents, and I probably was guilty of the same thing when I was a kid. Their parents will come and nudge us and say, hey, we need to tell our kid this or we need to tell our kid that. And Kate and I both were like, don't worry, we'll handle it. Um, And, you know, Kate's the more stern approach to Mm -hmm. um, mentoring and stuff. And he's very well respected by our customers and our families. Mm -hmm. But me, like, I probably take a softer kind of a mom approach to it and really just try to guide those kids um, to learn and grow and develop in whatever aspect it is. It could be just brushing the right way or, you know, Mm -hmm. doing something better that's so simple. Even just one time there was one of our customers was rinsing their calf out backwards. And I'm like, you know, you just go 
the extra mile just to say the little things yes. um, yes. that are going to help them in the long run because they truly do remember that yeah. um, and they remember how you paid attention to them. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what Kate and I really try to um, emphasize with our customers. It's like, we're here for you. You know, we're, we're your right hand man. You know, we love your kids like they're our own. Mm-hmm. They love our daughter. Like, <laughs> like she's their own. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So um, it's truly a family at the end of the day. Yeah. And it speaks volumes, I think, for who you guys are, not only, I mean, you and Kate as a couple, but how you represent yourself so wonderfully in that relationship because you really do lead in this quiet, in this quite confident way mm-hmm. that a lot of people. I mean, I think a lot of people just really resonate with and really admire. Um, you know, you say you're like a show mom. I always cringe at show mom because it's so sometimes defined as the person who brings the snacks in the cooler oh, and does yeah. the hair bow. Okay, which we need all those people too. Yes. But I was never that mom. No, I was always neither. <laughs> I was the, I was with you. I was like, I'm in the barn, like we're teaching how to rinse and do legs and how we're breaking it down and we're picking out the cattle and stuff like yes. that. But I love the way that you incorporate the compassion and the teaching aspect with it so that everybody can rise up together and really build in that and I think you know as a young producer which I assume you see yourself as a as a producer yes it's a nice way to build your clientele yeah, yeah. it is yeah. yeah and my version of show mom will never be snacks or anything although um, I, I love a good snack I do too and I have great respect for the people that bring a crock pot or bring <laughs> snacks we have one family in particular they are they're always like oh just come eat just come eat really quick and I'm like you know I love you because I will never be that person <laughs> I will never if I pack some snacks for my daughter that's probably doing well otherwise she's gonna be eating what we're, we're hungry eating. we're hangry yes and we don't do well sometimes so I'm not, we're not putting that part down, but I'm just saying that you and I have not been in that role. (laughs) Yes, Yes. I agree. You guys also, I think, have made a very conscious effort to take your herd and your program and start it at a level that is pretty elite. I wouldn't say elite's a hard word. Elevated, excelled, excellence. Mm -hmm. Did you and Kate have a conversation about that? Or is that just because that's who you are as people and you wanted to be that way? I mean, like, you know what I mean? Like, as a young couple, you really are at another level as far as your cattle, the way you present yourselves. Talk a little bit about that. Like, how'd you get there? So it's really interesting. And I will say Cade leads the charge on on 75% of this. Mm-hmm. Um, he always asks my opinion, though. And I greatly appreciate that about him. Um, we have about daily conversations about what we're going to breed to, um, what we're going to flush to, things like that. So when we moved to our house in Conrad... We weren't really raising anything before that. We just kind of sold a few out of my parents' place. Um, So when we were um, entirely off on our own, um, we decided that we would buy a few bread heifers. Um, So we ended up buying one from Boyert's, and we bought a couple more that year. We just kind of built from there, but we were very picky about what we wanted genetically um, and obviously phenotypically, too. So... um, We kind of got those first calves out of the way, um, and then we started progressively flushing, especially our 920 donor. Um, She had five calves on our sale this year. I know. um, And she'll probably have more next year. So um, I think we are just so forward-thinking about everything. Anytime something wins, um, anytime, you know, 
something pops up on the pulse, like we're always discussing it or like, you know, do you think that would work on this cow or do you think that would work on this cow? So we've really shifted our program from um, AI cows to recips and um, have been progressively just trying to flush and raise as many as we possibly can out of our best few donors. So now we are up to, I believe we have four donors now. So That's good. I mean, and, yeah. and the technology's there, and it's more accessible now than ever to people yes. at all levels. So, why, I mean, I think it's a good philosophy. Why not try to maximize out the best that you can mm-hmm. out of the cows that you want and match them up and try to do that? Yeah. Yes, and our biggest limitation is land on the cow side. So, obviously, everybody's looking for pasture mm-hmm. these days. So, we're limited as to how many we can raise at home. Um, but we have been fortunate to work with um, a couple of co-op herds mm-hmm. that um, are raising a few more for us. So it's been really good. I think Kate and I enjoy raising them the most. Um, there's nothing more satisfying than seeing something that you bred and you produce um, get along well. And then those families, you know, you have a lot of confidence in the genetics you're selling them. Mm -hmm. And I would be wrong if I said that Kate and I didn't want to keep all of those 920s we sold on our (laughs) sale this year. But obviously, you know, if you raise them, you have to sell them. You have to sell a few Um, paid bills. Yes. Yeah. So we're just, um, we try to be progressive at it for no larger than we can be. Right. So you have 20 cows, 17, Mm -hmm. 20, 20. 20. Are you all springborns or do you any falls? All springs. Oh, all springs. Yes. Yeah, so I'm sure they're saying so that they all kept on a nice 70 degree day. <laughs> oh, yeah. No. I mean, we usually get like the ice storm, yes. the snowstorm, that kind of stuff. Or like one will calve at midnight and then the next one will calve at five in the morning. You know, you know like that kind of stuff. It never fails. Like, yeah. So. When, you, when you talk about being progressive and watching what's winning. And, and we know in the cattle industry, it takes a while to change. Like, you got to breed them. you got to get them on the ground. you got to see what's going to work. That's two years. Mm-hmm. Then you got to breed again. That's three years. How far out are you looking? Are you looking three, four years? Like, okay, you're saying, Cade, all right, we got this donor cow here. Are we, are we projecting out what we th- where we think the industry's going? Are we reflecting on the industry right now and saying, okay, we really like that. We like these choices. Let's go that direction. We are utilizing um, primarily Angus donors right now. The reason being is because you can mate them several different Mm -hmm. ways and make several different breeds. So, yeah, we do talk a lot about, you know, breed goals, like what what breeds we want to produce. We have a couple purebred semi donors also um, that we're kind of working with. But, you know... Um, I think our perspectives shift a little bit every day. Like whenever we see something different, you know, it's like maybe it would be better if we um, made percentage semis out of that one. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, we have to, we almost talk a lot on like each flush. So like, should we flush her first to a main bowl? Should we flush her next to a semi bowl? Then should we make some Angus? And then should we do her conventionally to try to make a bowl or something Mm -hmm. too? So we're always kind of back and forth, but we kind of have our direction, which is like the semis, Mm -hmm. um, the Angus, and then any main influence stuff. We don't have any main influence cows, um, but we do use a lot of main bowls on on the donors that we have. That's cool. I like yeah. that. I think it's just interesting that you're assessing it down to the flush. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. That's a yeah. good, I mean, 
people breed differently. You know, they breed all over the place, and and it's it's just interesting to hear people's strategies because, like you said, you're limited on land. You're limited. I mean, you only can have twenty. Mm-hmm. So we gotta figure this out. Are you selling embryos then, or no? Uh, we did sell our first two sets of embryos on our sale this year. Um, so we haven't had a big embryo sale, and I think if it were Cade's choice, he would hoard all of the 920s and not sell any. Um, he didn't really want to put those on the sale, but I was like, you know, there's five daughters. Um, they're very sellable right now. Um, and we have some sibs to that mating coming this year. And I think a lot on our matings is, um you know, also what time of the year they're born. Like, is that, does that bowl make them big enough to be February's? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Or do those ones, should those ones be younger? Should we put them in for April's? Mm-hmm. So I think there's that side of it too. That's a good, yeah. Yeah, yeah. A good we have a lot of um, discussion about it. And I give him a lot of credit for including me in it because, you know, mom life can kind of get you sidetracked, yeah, but he always asks. Yeah, I appreciate the conversation and, you know, being a part of the decisions yeah. because we've truly built our business, just yeah. the two of us together. Yeah, it's really fun to see it grow. It's really fun to see you guys at the fair, at state fair, I mean, at these kind of national, more regional areas, or even at some jackpots, you know, you'll mm-hmm. head out with your customers and to watch the sale online and to see you market it on Facebook and promote it and just do that whole the whole picture, you know, it's just trying to get it there. But to do it at a, a level that you're already at, which is nice because it's only going to go up. Yes. And it, so it may be small, but it may be mighty. Let's just yeah. go with that small yes, and mighty. exactly. Yeah. yeah. And we don't, we both work full time. So it's not something that we can um, grow too large to where, you know, we don't have enough time to, right. um, you know, so, work our day jobs and do that. Because you have to be so precise. Mm-hmm. When you're 20, you got to make the right, de- you got to make it decision I like that because I think a lot of people are in that same exact situation mm-hmm. they want to raise high quality cattle they want to have be a part of the production aspects of it and and have a sale you know just wanted to do something a little different today and take a moment during the podcast to really explain a little bit more about the MK Livestock Company that Mallory owns with Kate, her husband. We already mentioned this, but it's owned and operated out of Conrad, Iowa, and they have about 20 cows there, but really have focused their energies on embryo flush and um, using recips. So they have four main donor cows and really working hard to take each one of those flushes and maximize it into a super high quality show heifer. They uh, market those heifers to junior exhibitors all over the country and I love it. You can follow along on their journey with each one of those heifers and each one of those exhibitors at MK Livestock on Facebook and Instagram. Mallory does an excellent job of keeping everybody informed. So if you have time after the podcast today, Go check it out at MK Livestock on Facebook and Instagram to see all that Kate and Mallory are up to. Now, let's get back to this great conversation. I hope you enjoy the rest of Ladies in the Lead. The podcast is called Ladies in the Lead, She Stock Shows. And so I always say for those who aren't stock show people but listen to the podcast, if they were to come up to you and say, Mallory, you stock show, what's that mean? For me, it's a community. So 
I could say, um, or you could say to me, Mallory, you're from Conrad. What does that mean? Mm -hmm. And to me, it's the same thing because our level of involvement in the stock show industry um, is so intense. And it's exactly like someone who's passionate about their community that they live in. Mm -hmm. Um, So to me, it's a community. um, And, you know, I'm just grateful that um, our daughter gets to be a part of the Mm -hmm. community and things like that. You know, people take leadership roles in the stock show community. Mm-hmm. You know, people um, just have different levels of involvement in all aspects, whether you're a photographer, whether you run a show, whether you're a part of a breed association. There are so many levels and parts and pieces to the community. Um, that's what it means to me. Mm-hmm. That's a good. Stock show, too, includes other species. Did you yes. ever show anything else besides cattle? I did. Um, I showed some really bad pigs at my county fair. <laughs> uh, I don't want to say really bad. Okay, I'll rephrase. Um, the first... Oh, wait, how year, old were you? What year were you? Oh, maybe like fifth grade. Fifth grade, so ten. Yeah. You were ten. Yeah, fifth, okay. sixth grade. First year, I showed confinement hogs. Um, <laughs> nice. Yeah. Were they, were they yours or were they... Uh, my dad bought them from somebody. I'm not really oh, sure Oh, well, I'm sure they were. And then he bought me some show pigs the next couple years um but he would go to these guys and he would say okay I need 12 of them for 1200 bucks and they'll be like oh 1200 bucks <laughs> you know and he'd write the check and we got 12 of them and we'd feed them on self feeders on slats and so there you yeah go. Nice. it was very interesting and then when I was in college and I met Cade he was very well versed in mm-hmm. multi-species he shows sheep yeah so very high level sheep he too. bought me a set of sheep to show show um I jackpotted them and then showed them at the FFA show at State Fair when we were in college so he kind of opened that door how'd you like bracing me. I actually really liked it um, you're the right height for it yeah I really yeah. enjoyed showing those sheep I where I struggled is like I remember being very thorough like with the cattle and stuff and yeah. sheep like they only want you to wash legs or rinse legs and stuff like that and it pained me to not like be thorough with like the whole (laughs) animal so I struggled a little bit with that but it was a great um experience for me I um I really enjoyed it I wish I would have done it more than one year oh for the yeah with the sheep well good for you though for jumping in you know and doing it yeah and Kate Kate goes hard at it everything he does and he's like we're gonna get these sheep you know we're going to state fair we're gonna jackpot do all this stuff so I was just along for the ride but it was really fun that's good. I think yeah. that's fun. And it just another connection because he has another aspect to his stock show world. I mean, they show pigs and sheep and cattle. Yes. And I don't think they ever showed a goat, did they? I don't think so. I don't no. think the goat thing was picking up enough for them to yeah, venture when we in were, at that point. Yeah, when we were young enough to show, it was kind of just firing up. What do you think the future looks like on your guys' ranch? You're going to have sheep and goats and pigs? And- <laughs> well, maybe. I'm not sure. I... Um, I'm sure McKenna will show something. I don't know what. <laughs> People always start off, you know, like, four-year-olds with a pig, you know. Like yeah. You can kind of let them go. I mean, they can show them, you know. Yeah, they just kind of have to remember which one's theirs. <laughs> um, <laughs> I can already see it. Yeah. So it would be awesome. I'm sure she'll show something. I'm not entirely sure what. Um, and I know for Kate and I that um, we just love to keep raising heifers and yeah. um, trying to do the best we can at that and kind of build our program that mm-hmm. way. I know. It's, I love to talking about people, talking to people when they say, it's nice sometimes to have a second, 
Like when you're really intense in one species, it's nice to kind of have a completely different one to like kind of be the learner in, to grow in. And mm-hmm. when you're the expert in this field and you're making detailed expertise decisions, and it's it's very passionate and we all love that. It's nice to sometimes be the learner and give yourself a little grace to come up and figure it out over here too. And just to kind of change it up. So, yes. you know, I was talking to Shay Becker and she was talking about how she showed pigs so intense you know, intensely and at such a high level. But then one year they had sheep and how much fun it was for her to just be hands-on and physical, yeah. you know, with them. And like, cause we, yeah, I never thought about it, you know, cause we showed lambs and cattle. And so yeah, I was ready to give up the lambs at the end cause they are yeah. hands-on uh, yeah. physical. Yeah. And I was like, oh yeah, I guess, you know, with a pig, it, you know, if you're doing so intently, it's nice to try something else. And so I hope you guys get a chance to, like... Yeah, I'm sure incorpor- McKenna will say, I want to do that. And Kate will be like, okay, we'll we'll get you a sheep or, you know. Well, we always laugh because uh, my niece, she always shows in our... She shows sheep and then they've shown cattle. And then... But she always shows in the pet show. So oh. she had a hamster. And so she won grand champion hamster one year, and it was just the best thing ever that come out of that pet show. We were so I excited. hope we don't have hamsters. I don't do rodents. <laughs> I well, I'll just just yeah. keep an open mind. Yeah, it might be, says that. Yeah, you'll be doing like hair work on your hamster. It'll be so fun. Oh, or rabbits. Oh god, a Where rabbit is? would be better than a hamster. <laughs> I oh, I just can't. I'm can't imagine the thing getting loose somewhere. I don't even <laughs> anywhere. Uh, I mean either. I'm out. Yeah. I'm out on that. I don't do anything. I don't I either. Control. I don't do any of that. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me who you think. You were talking about the mentors in your life, the men in your life that really influenced you. If you had to pick one, who is your most, who would you say was your biggest mentor? My biggest mentor has actually been Cade. Yeah. He opened up just an entirely new perspective for me mm-hmm. on the livestock industry. He's the first person to, like, encourage me to try to clip, try to fit. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the things that were maybe more, like, I would say male-dominated. Mm-hmm. Stereotypically. Um, stereotypically yeah. male-dominated tasks. Um, he really pushed me. I guess when I was traveling around as a kid with my dad, I was always a little timid or a little nervous to just grab a set of clippers, um, to do anything that would mess up my chance of like doing well at that show. But I think I gained a different perspective with Cade. He's just, he's taught me so much, um, about feeding, just about like different hair care, you know, skin care, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, he's just really taught me a lot, even about selling livestock. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the yeah. big picture, like I would say he has to be my yeah. my biggest mentor and right. just teacher. And still to this day, I ask him so many questions. I'm sure he gets annoyed with me. I bet he doesn't. Yeah. I bet he I, likes it, you know, to share yeah. that knowledge and just share mm-hmm. it together. But I just love learning. And I think um, he's just so progressive in the way he thinks about things. You could ask him a pedigree from... 20 years ago and he'd be able to name it like six generations deep and me I just don't have that talent but (laughs) I love so much just listening to him talk even if he's talking on the phone I'll you know turn the radio down turn the tv off and just listen to what he says just because I'm curious um but yeah he's just been a huge influence in my life that's good what do you think um you know, how do you think this industry is changing for women and men in this? Because, you know, we, we t- I don't like to talk about stereotypical roles and, and how, but 
women have had to break through a little. Mm-hmm. I distinctly remember one time in college that we were at a friend's show, and I mean, this would be back in the 90s, so you weren't even born again, but... Um, I was born in the 90s. Early 90s, 1990. <laughs> okay. No, you weren't. Mid-90s. You were in the 90s. But I remember, I mean, I had been a show person my whole life. We were out on the road. I'd been with these heifers all summer. We go there without the male role model that usually fit this calf, and, and it, we all did legs and stuff. And it came time to clip, and I remember somebody took the clippers and handed it to the pig guy in the room. And I'm like, hey, I'm standing right here. Like, you know, I felt like at that moment mm-hmm. there wasn't this confidence for me to even say, hey, give me those things. You know, I'm going to do it myself. Do you see that changing, like, with how you or how you were raised? Even, I mean, this is even within the last 18 years, really. I mean, how you were raised and how it is now as you work with your people? Yeah, I think it has changed. I think it's changed from, like, these are the people that come and, like, clip my calf, fit my calf. You know, these are the people that will show up for us to now it's like we need help. It's all hands on deck. It doesn't matter who you are, how old you are, what gender you are. It's all hands on deck every single time. I mean, we hire um, young ladies to help us. Actually, matter of fact, we um, Kaylee Clark was our barn help for our sale this year, and she was awesome. And we've had um, last year we had Jaren Jakey equally as good, Mm -hmm. but like they can do the same job, mm-hmm. you know? And I loved having Kaylee around just um, just because, like, having a woman work alongside you mm-hmm. daily uh, is it just kind of refreshing, honestly. Um, and it's just so fun to see her take an interest to that level mm-hmm. um, and work as hard as she did. And it didn't matter um, if it's a guy or a girl mm-hmm. in those situations. And I think now anymore it's like, you know, anybody can do the job. It's a matter of who wants to and who shows up. Yeah, and who shows up yes. to do it and learn it and to do it the best. Yes. I think we're to the point now where it's like, let's put the best person on the job. Yes. And, and teach and learn and bring people along, which is really good. Yes. Season two, is which was what we're kind of wrapping up here, um, is called The Edge. And I like to ask the ladies that I interview, what do you think your edge is? What's the thing that makes you different or better or your special talent? Or what do you think it is? Yeah, um, I don't know if it's an edge, but for me, I always just try to be very inclusive. Um, no matter who we're working with, um, what we're doing, I just think everybody deserves like that incredible opportunity to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if it's something that sets us apart or not, but I always try to make that a priority um, when we're working with families and working with kids. You know, they're, we're truly their mentors, and they're looking up to us like we looked up to other people as kids. And, um, you know, you just want to be the most positive uh, role model for those people. Um, and as a woman, you know, you want to show them that there's nothing that they can't do. Yeah. I love that. That inclusiveness. All are welcome. Mm-hmm. Let's give it a go. Yeah. If you are dedicated and you want to try, you know, let's yeah. do it. That's awesome. That's a great edge. I don't, I think you should own, I'm glad you own that and see that in yourself because a lot of what, um, what a lot about this podcast has taught me is that the women I interview do see something in themselves and own it. And a lot of people have always said, I wish I would have owned things earlier in my life owned maybe that I was, you know, strong-willed and that could work for me or owned that I was really good at leg hair or owned, just owned my passion. Mm -hmm. And to see that in yourself is just, that's really good. 
good stuff. That's yeah. really and good. I, I, I think uh, all those podcasts you've listened yeah. to are working. That's really yeah. good. Yeah, I wouldn't say that I'm just the person that's, like, the best at fitting, the best at clipping, you know, the best mm-hmm. feeder. Like, I don't have any of those edges. I'm a lifelong learner in those mm-hmm. categories. But the thing I do know is that I, I can help people. We should just end on that. Of course, <laughs> I have to end on a couple little things. We always end with... Just some get-to-know-you questions. Okay. Okay. So, first of all, what's the music that plays in the barn when you guys are working outside? Um, if it's me by myself, don't walk in because your ears might bleed from my singing. Um, <laughs> um, it's I, karaoke hour in yes, the barn. I, I think sometimes Cade will flip on the camera on his phone if I'm home and he's at work or something and hear me sing. It's I like a lot of different music. I love to shuffle Leonard Skinner radio um, on That's Spotify. I am like a little bit of an old soul. I like that stuff. Um, I also love like Red Dirt, um, specifically like a Zach Bryan style yeah. of Red Dirt. But I can listen to just about anything. And if I know the words, like you'll hear them coming <laughs> out of my mouth. So would you say you're a on a scale of one to ten, you're a nine personality, but what what would you say is your singing talent? Oh, definitely like a two. Two? Yeah, you should ask Kate. He's like, he'll just either turn the music up or turn it off. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody wants to know, when you go to the barn, what, are you, what, are, what shoes are you wearing? I am a tennis shoe person. Tennis shoes? Okay, are you wearing those waterproof tennis shoes that everybody's talking about? You know, I don't. Um, you like wet feet. Good job. Yeah, I, <laughs> apparently I like wet feet and I'm cheap, so I just wear like whatever old pair I have that have holes in them and whatever are already destroyed. Yeah, but I'm most comfortable in tennis shoes, shorts, and a sweatshirt. I like that weather, shorts and sweatshirt weather. Shorts and sweatshirt. Yeah, yeah that's my optimum temperature. If it's any colder... I know. Well, I, I don't like getting water all over my legs, so I always uh, used to wear true. jeans. Like, I just don't like it flicking up all over my legs. I would rather be a tank top jeans versus mm-hmm. sweatshirt shorts. That's fair. Fair. And uh, we I grew up generation boots. Yeah. I don't like broken toes. Yeah. My toes up. But I now we're all into these dudes, and we're in tennies everywhere. Yeah. I'm all back because it's so comfortable. I know. I'm like... I'm like I have to be comfortable. Me too. As long as I'm comfortable, we're good. Yeah. Okay. Celebrity crush. Do you have one? No, I don't. I'm not even a sports crush. Like you, you listen to sports podcasts. I, I do like sports. I I mean I do like Patrick Mahomes. <gasps> he just um, got married. Did you see that? Yeah, or I don't like that's... his brother though. So that really. Oh, see, no. this is my problem. I, you know, I well, I don't know if it's a crush, but um, yeah. I are just... you a Chiefs fan or just a Patrick Mahomes fan? Oh, Chiefs. You yeah, are. Kate and I like the Chiefs. Yeah. Good for you guys. Yeah. <laughs> we do like, we are like secret um, sports lovers. Like not, we, we're not like the avid people, but yeah. we love to just like go to games and stuff like that. Yeah. I, I've never been to a professional football game that's on my list to do. Yeah. But I love college football too and college basketball. And yes. I can watch volleyball. I mean, I like all the sports too. I like listening to it on the radio, like yeah. play by play of the yeah. football, almost just as much as seeing it on TV. Yeah. So those commentators are so talented. Oh, yeah. Just yeah, the way they can just spit out that information so quickly and so accurately <laughs> is insane to me. <laughs> I know. What would you say is your favorite place to show? Ooh, favorite place to show. Um me personally, it's Denver. Okay. I love just the scenery out there, the mountains. I 
Um, love being in that big old Coliseum, the history mm-hmm. there. That is my my favorite place, you know, growing up. That was my favorite place to show and favorite place to go. So one show everybody needs to get to is Denver? I or would you... A lot of you were going to Okie City. I know. And I don't know. So Kate's been down to Oklahoma City with some of our customers. Um, But I haven't personally. And I feel like I'm always just going to be a little partial to Denver. But I also haven't been there since they've read on the yards and stuff like that. So I don't know if it's going to be different when I go back. Um, So, yeah, it's such a hard, um, hard Kind of call to call. pick, yeah. It? But I do encourage everybody to go to the Iowa State Fair on Steer Show Day. Yes. Like, there's not much that's more electric than that. It is. I won't miss it. I yeah. know. I mean, I'm like up bright eyed, bushy tailed, and you know. And we showed Angus steers for years, so we were always up at four a.m. to be first in the barn, you know, yeah. to get ready because we're class one. But it's just there's it's magic. It's, it is. We went to Kansas City to see the Steer Show and. You know, the goats and lambs are going on all three at the same time. And mm-hmm. I'm sitting over here, and your eyes, you just can't take it off of the, the steers. They're just so fun. And Denver, too, and Louisville, yes. all these big, big stock shows, if you can get there for the steer show. Or something. Yeah. I know a lot of people love show heifers, and you raise heifers, mm-hmm. but there's something about a steer show. The it's, first show I went to with Cade was um, the steer show at Kansas City, and he showed down there. And I remember my heart just, like, pounding out of my chest, and I couldn't figure out what that feeling was. But there is truly, like, an electric feeling when you go to um, steer shows. It's Especially something. major steer shows. I'm so glad you brought that up because I feel it too. Mm-hmm. There's just something about a steer show. Yeah, yeah. and I love the heifers. I'll I always just, love that. Yeah. But, yeah, there's something that makes your heart pound in those steer shows, whether you've got something invested in it or not. I know. When it's final drive time, it is just pure out fun. Mm-hmm. It is so fun. It is. Good. Well, thank you so much for being with me today. Yeah, thank you this for having me. This has been such a joy to get to know you a little bit better. And I hope our listeners get to know you a little bit better even after this episode comes out because you are really just the epitome of what this industry looks like, what it can look like, and where it's going. And I'm excited for you and Kate and your family and your herd. And I can't wait to see what the next 10, 20 look like yeah i uh, thank you for having You're me so this has welcome. been great um first podcast debut so i'm Is it very really? excited okay, well, so now yes. like, we're gonna have to benchmark it and then in the future <laughs> you're super famous might be first and only but that's fine i no i completely i'm sure you're gonna get invited to your karaoke podcast <laughs> <laughs> yeah if someone asked me to do karaoke on a podcast <laughs> yeah your guys's ears i'm sorry <laughs> Maybe we can do a duet with Kate. Yeah, that would probably be a, a little bit of a buffer. That'd be good. All right. Well, that concludes this week's episode. Again, thanks so much for being with us. Thanks for being a part of this community, and we will see you all out on the road. Thanks for listening, you guys. That was an awesome episode of Ladies in the Lead, and I'm so grateful that you took the time to listen to it. I want to thank Austin Garner for being my audio producer. I'm your host, Joan Garner. I want to encourage you to check out Facebook. I have a Facebook group called Ladies in the Lead, and you're going to want to like and follow along. Of course, you can always check out shestockshows.com to see uh, any updates or if you need to contact me, or you can use my Facebook, Joan Garner. We'd love to have feedback and we'd love to hear from you all. You guys have a great week. We'll see you out on the road.